0: Hello, and welcome to Church at the Bridge. Thank you for tuning in to our weekly sermon podcast. Today we are starting a new mini-series entitled Hope is Here. The title of today's message is Hope Changed Everything. We hope you enjoy the word. Let's try that again. Good morning. How you doing? Go ahead and slap somebody a high five. We believe in love and helping people and encouraging one another. It is good to see you all. For those of you that don't know me, I am Pastor Jose. I am the lead pastor here at Church at the Bridge. And it is our true pleasure to celebrate all that God has for your life today. I know some of you just thought, you're like, wait, celebrate? You don't understand my situation. No, you don't understand how much God loves you. You don't understand how much hope you have in Christ. Today we're starting a new series. It's a mini-series. We're going to be on it for just three weeks but we're talking about hope. Anybody need some hope in life? Can anybody use a little bit more hope in life? Listen, the truth is that we're starting this series called Hope is Here. And the reason why we've entitled this series Hope is Here is because for many of us we think about hope and we're thinking about a distant future, a distant wish, right? Uh, and the truth is that hope is something that impacts your life now. And so when you think about the word hope, What does it mean to you? What does it mean to you? I want you to think about your own definition of hope. We did a text survey a couple of weeks ago, and we got probably about a good 150 or so responses. I am not going to read everyone's responses, just so you know. So if I don't read yours, and you're one of the people, don't get offended. right? Everybody say this with me. I love love. Pastor Pastor Jose. Remember you said it, all right? So you can't get offended. All right, but uh, here's a couple couple of responses we got. Hope is me believing something is going to come or happen even if the circumstances say different. Somebody else said, a desire for the unknown. Another person said, a wishful desire that everything turns out all right in the end. One person responded, hope, it's an earnest expectation of God's promises and strength that lies in his faithfulness. Another person responded, um, hope, something we all hold on to knowing that better things will eventually come. Hope is looking forward to something you really expect to happen. Another person said, trusting and believing that better days lies ahead. Another person said, having a dream. And so look, we all have a definition for hope. We all have an understanding and some sort of experience with hope. So if you really want to know what hope says, at least if that's what you think hope is, look to Merriam-Webster's Dictionary. How many of you look to Google and you look up Merriam-Webster's All right, never mind. All right. Sorry, my bad. But I'll give you the definition anyway. Webster's defines hope this way. It says, to want something to happen or to be true. It says, a strong feeling of expectation. It also says, anticipation of something to come. Now look, if you really take time to consider the various definitions that we hold in regards to hope, the truth is that it reveals that while we have a familiarity with hope, we understand it to some extent, what we know hope to be is limited. And I'll tell you why. Listen to Romans 8, 24 and 25. It says, for we were saved in this hope. Notice that it uses the word saved, and it's talking about something that's already happened. And it's interesting here, but that word saved in the Greek is the word sozo, which means to rescue from danger. It means to deliver from destruction. It means to save one from suffering from disease. It means to deliver from penalties of judgment. It means to protect from evil, to be made well or whole. It means to be held in perfect Peace. No, listen, this stuff is exciting because what we understand relationship with God to be is to get something from God, not knowing that he's already provided your solution. He's already provided your healing. He's already come through in your life. He's already paved the way. We're not fighting or striving to get something from God. We're fighting and striving to discover what God has already provided. Listen closely. The scripture says, we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. Hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly await for it with perseverance. And so as I noted, notice that we were saved in this hope. See, while hope points us to the promise of what God has to come for us, the truth is that hope must first be received, and it does have the power to impact you today. Today. So here's a good question. What are you holding on to as hope? And how is it working for you? Is it changing today? Look, not knocking any of us. We all have hopes we all have dreams, we all have desires, but if your hope is in money, if your hope is in people, if your hope is in relationships, if your hope is in possessions, if your hope is in your circle or your community around you, if your hope is in all these other things, is it really changing your life? It might impact your life in certain respects, but is it lasting? Is it faithful? Is it true? Isaiah 40, 31 tells us this about hope. It says, but those who hope in the Lord will do what? Renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Listen, the power of hope lies not in what we see presently, but in how it impacts our lives right now. Right now. I'm reminded of a story I read a while back, it's a true story, took, uh, took place back in the 80s. I have no idea what the 80s were like, I was born in the 90s. Um, <clears throat> what, what is so funny about that? I'm sorry, did, did something come up on the screen? Okay, anyway, all right. All right, all right, all right, all right, I'll fuss up. I was born in the 70s, okay, all right. So in 1981, self made millionaire Eugene Lang greatly changed the lives of a sixth grade class in East Harlem. Not only did it change their lives, but it changed his life. Mr. Lang had been asked to speak to a class of 61 sixth graders um, to inspire these students to make change. And Mr. Lang admitted back then that he was at a loss for words as to what he could say that would inspire these students. You see, he didn't look like them. He didn't go through any of the experiences that they'd had. He couldn't relate to their economic situation. He couldn't relate to some of their deficits. And so he felt at a loss for words. He felt like, what can I contribute? See, back then... According to the statistics, most of these kids from the neighborhood that they came from and the school that they were in, the district that they were in, they were statistically expected to drop out and not even make it to high school. And if they did make it to high school, not to graduate. And so he wondered to himself, what can I offer these children? What can I offer these African-American and primarily Puerto Rican children that they could even look to? And so he scrapped his notes quickly and he decided to speak to them from his heart. And he began to tell them about the impact of a speech that he heard many years prior, spoken by a man named Martin Luther King. It was a speech that many of you might know or have heard of at least, called I Have a Dream. And he remembered the hope that it inspired in a nation the hope that it inspired for a future, but the impact that it enacted in the lives of people in the present day. And so he shared with them the impact of that speech and that dream and that hope that it gave into his life, and he also encouraged them to stay in school. But then he said something that he had not planned that not only changed their lives, but also changed his. He told them, if you graduate from high school, if you graduate with a high school diploma, I'll pay for the college tuition of every one of you. At that moment, the lives of these students changed. For the first time, they had hope, not just for tomorrow, but hope that changed today. One student said many years later, I gained something tangible to look forward to that day. Something was waiting for me. It was a life defining moment almost over 90 percent of that class of 61 uh, sixth grade students graduated from high school and went on to college with a full tuition paid by Mr. Lang since then and up until recently when he passed Mr. Lang went on to inspire the dreams of over 16,000 students through his I have a dream foundation I share this story with you For one reason, while these young men and women found themselves in what apparently was a hopeless situation, while the statistics dictated that because of their lack of opportunities and their lack of economic status and because of the deficits that existed in their homes and their communities, these statistics said that they would not make it. They received a promise that gave them hope for tomorrow and produced a powerful change Today, listen, when you have hope beyond the temporal, when you have hope beyond the things that you can grasp and the things that you can see, when you have hope in what God promises and what God says about who you are, regardless of what you look like, regardless of what you've been through, regardless of what people say, when your hope is in a greater one, tomorrow starts today. That's the power of hope. Today, I'd like to talk to you on the subject, hope changed everything. Hope changed everything. See, hope in Christ, hope that God avails all of us of if we, if we, take, we partake of it, is not just for tomorrow. God is interested in your today. But how you view this hope is crucial. So question, how's hope working for you? And if it's not, then the question we have to reconcile within ourselves is, is it really something to hope in at all? So the Bible talks about two particular women. And the book of Luke details the response of Mary and her cousin Elizabeth to the announcement that the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, would be born to a young girl named Mary. And, it, and, and the scriptures revealed that they learned the role that they would play in this miraculous occurrence. But you got to understand something. Prior to this moment, the circumstances looked pretty hopeless and felt pretty helpless. I'll tell you what I mean. Mary was a young, unmarried girl who one day found herself pregnant by miraculous occurrence. She heard that she would be the mother, that she would nurture a child who would be the savior of the world. And as we'll learn next week when we look, when we dive back into this in regards to hope, she was filled with doubt. She was filled with fear. She had questions. It it, it wasn't rational. There was no explanation. And if you study this out, what you'll see is that she was facing some really tough consequences. I mean, think about it. How do you explain? I'm the mother of the child of God. You want to appreciate this for a moment. I want you to envision that you're married. And your wife says, honey, I'm pregnant. And you go, oh. and she says, you're not the father. God is. Yeah. You, you get the picture, right? You get the picture. So Mary was facing a difficult situation. Elizabeth. If you study Luke chapter 1, you'll see she was married, she was the wife to a man who was a priest, but this wasn't just any priest in the Levitical tribe. He was a priest that was, of, 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 that was in the circulation of priests that would end up ministering directly before the Lord. So he would go into the most holy place. So the reason why I share that with you is because he was someone that was noticeable. He was someone that had some level of prestige in the eyes of the people. And his wife, Elizabeth, who was older, they were both older, the Bible says, was a woman that was barren. That might not mean much to you today, but in those days, for a woman to be barren, she was looked at as she was cursed. The question that came up was, what did she do wrong that she can't have children? It was a source of shame. It was, a, it was an opportunity for ridicule in the eyes of the community. And because she was married to this man and she was noticeable before all, she carried this burden. And so both of these women found themselves in what appeared to be a hopeless and helpless situation, Mary with an unexplainable pregnancy and Elizabeth with a barren womb. But the scriptures revealed that eventually this woman, Elizabeth, her husband gets this message from the angel Gabriel who comes from God, and he tells him, hey, your wife is going to conceive. You're going to have a child, and you're going to name him John. This, guy, this, this child is going to be special because he's going to pave the way for the coming of the Messiah. He's going to declare a message of hope, and he's going to turn Israel topsy-turvy upside down with this message, and the people are going to gather and seek this, this hope. And so uh, Elizabeth receives this message, and watch what happens at the sixth month of her pregnancy Luke chapter 1 verses 41 through 45 says this when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit in a loud voice she exclaimed blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear but why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Watch the power of hope. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. She's not just talking about Mary. She's talking about the promise that she's received. While the promise lied laid ahead, the blessing was at work in her life at that moment. Luke chapter 146 through 55 records Mary's response to this great news. It says in b- verse 46, And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. Watch the power of hope, for he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever just as he promised our ancestors for mary it wasn't just the fact that she was going to be the mother of the savior of the world it was what god had done in her life and in the world around her at that present moment mary had a hope beyond just tomorrow mary had a hope in god that changed her life today 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 And so these women went from a state of helplessness to a life-changing experience with hope. Your hope in Christ, the hope that God offers, has changed everything. But listen closely. Nothing will change unless you allow that hope to change you. Look, can I talk turkey with you guys? Can I be just straight up, right? You think my wife was from the city. I was from the hood. All right? She grew up in one of those big apartments on Grand Concourse. I mean, they still had mice and roaches and all that stuff there too. Don't get me wrong, you know. They were a little... But I grew up... Look, I didn't come from a peachy cream environment. I made a lot of mistakes. I believed a lot of wrong things. I believed in a lot of wrong people. And I followed a lot of paths that weren't good. So I made a lot of mistakes. And the thing is that my hope in those circumstances was in what I would get as a result of what I did, how people viewed me, right, and the acceptance that I received. The problem with that is this, that it was a hope that never came through. I'll tell you something that I learned, and I'm not saying that this applies to you, but for me, my hope was in what the streets offered me and what people told me. And that hope never fulfilled. It never came through. Oh, I fought for it. I fought for it. I strived for it. I did whatever I had to do to get it, but it never came through. And so it wasn't hope at all. But then many years later in my mid-20s, the light bulb went off. And here's how the light bulb went off. I began to realize that what I thought I knew to be true wasn't true about me at all. That I didn't have to be this big, bad person that everybody grew to know me as. That I didn't have to make the mistakes that I made to be accepted by people. That what I thought was normal wasn't really normal at all. I realized, man, there is no hope in what I thought this life was about. And I discovered something at probably one of the lowest points in my life. My wife convinced me to go to a church with her. And listen, I can't even tell you till this day what the sermon, what what, what happened per se. But I left that day convinced of this one thing that relationship with God, the blessing of God, the goodness of God, and the life the abundant life that Jesus talked about had nothing to do with what I brought to the table. For the very first time, I believed that I was loved, not for anything I did, not for anything I strived for, not because of what people told me. I believed that God loved me regardless of what I was doing, of what I was thinking, of where I was at. Listen, that's true love. The Bible says that love holds no records of wrong. The Bible says that love believes all things. It endures all things. Hey, love check. How's that working in your life? My point with that is simply this. That for the first time in my life, I had an encounter with hope beyond what people offered me and what I thought was necessary. It brought change into my life. And so you see, this is what happened in the lives of these children that we just heard about a little while ago. They, this guy, Mr. Lang, brought something to their lives that made a future possible, but changed their lives in the present. And this is what also happened in the life of Mary and Elizabeth. For those kids, listen, it didn't matter that some of them were poor. It didn't matter that some of them struggled academically. It didn't matter that some of them were living in dysfunctional circumstances. For Mary and Elizabeth, it didn't matter that the doctor's diagnosis was that you can't have children. And for Mary, it didn't matter that everyone would have their judgments. Why? Because what they believed and now knew to be true was hope that changed it now it changed everything it changed everything and so look for the next couple of moments that i have here as we wrap up i want to give you some things to consider about hope some things that we should know about hope the first thing i want to give you is this that hope must live in our lives i know that doesn't that doesn't sound too deep it's all right you get what i mean in a second Hope must live in our lives. First Peter 1, verses 3 through 5 says this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, watch this, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. That's a mouthful. Let me just break it down for you this way. Notice in verse 3, if we could put that back up, it talks about he's given us a new birth. Here's what it's talking about. There's a new life available, not just to you, Christian, but to the entire world. And this new life is defined by a powerful, powerful engine that drives it, that propels it, that causes it to work. It's called living hope. That word living hope there in the Greek refers to something that's active, something that's fresh, strong, something that breathes confidence and expectation of that which is good to come but impacts you now. What's interesting about this term in the Bible is that where it's used in other portions of Scripture, it's actually talking about water that flows, which reminds me of something. You ever heard about the Mississippi River? Any of you ever seen it? Some of you may have. Maybe you haven't, right? The Mississippi River is a mighty river that flows for over 2,348 miles. 2,348 miles. It begins in north Minnesota, and it eventually pours into the Gulf of Mexico below New Orleans. It spans its reach over 33 states. It helps to power cities and commerce. It, 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 it provides means for transport, for people, and for goods. It provides habitation for fish and plants and wildlife, and it enriches the lives of over half this nation by what's possible through this river. This mighty river begins as a small trickle of water that bubbles up from underground springs that originate from a lake called Lake Itasca In northern Minnesota, only to eventually become a mighty roaring river. Let me tell you something about hope. When we look in life with hope, what we look for is the grandeur. We look for the great outcome. Nothing wrong with that. But I want you to see how true hope starts it starts small. You know, life is a lot like this river. Hope is a lot like this river. Get this. Think about this. If people wanted to, and I'm sure they have measures in place for this not to happen. If people wanted to, all you'd have to do is just stop the trickle. And if you stop the trickle, you'll stop the impact of this river. My point with that is simply this. You and I must be careful not to cut off the life that hope is, provides for us in Christ today. It may seem small. It may seem insignificant. You might feel like you have little power. You might feel like you can't make it. But get this, that small trickle of hope that you have working in you is a mighty flowing river waiting to burst. If you would just hold on, if you would just not give up, if you would just continue to believe what God has declared and what he's called you to. You know what hope feels like in the beginning? A small stirring. I don't understand why this is happening. I don't understand what I'm feeling. What's that saying? Keep hope alive. Paul says to a young pastor named Timothy, he says, listen, fan into flame what you've received. You know how flame starts? I know some of you are thinking about a Lighter. Matches, right? No, that's not how it flames. It starts with a small little ember. And as you take that ember and you nurture it and you blow on it, you cover it. You care for it. It begins to grow. And before you know it, not only do you have fire, but you have a necessity for life. My point with that is simply this. Hope must be made to live in our lives. But you hold it, and what you do with it is so important. It's crucial for it to live, for it to work. And so the second point that I want to leave you with here as we're wrapping up is that hope must be active. Hope has to have legs. Hope without action is simply a dream. A dying dream. First Peter 1, 6 through 9 puts it this way, in all this you greatly rejoice. So he's talking about something that they've received. And he says, Though now for a little while, uh, for, for 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 a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that when so the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which Perishes even though refined by fire may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ has revealed. He's talking about hope. He says, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are, watch this, receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Hope gives you something to receive now. But listen closely to this. He talks about a hope that's active. He talks about a hope that's impacting how you approach life now. Listen, one way to ensure your hope remains living and flowing in your life is to use it actively when it's needed most. When have you ever needed hope? Not a trick question, ladies and gentlemen, when we felt hopeless, when we felt like there's not a way. And the Bible here, Peter, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, look, I know you're going through these trials right now, but these trials will squeeze something out of you that's necessary. It'll give you something that you can receive right now in your life. You know, hope is a lot like ketchup. Right. For those of you that know me, you're probably saying, "Please don't come my way." Don't worry about it. I'm not I'll tell you what I mean. If I squeeze this bottle, what's going to come out of it? Let's let's see if that's true. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. That works. Now watch this. Peter says, "I know you're enduring these trials now. I know that you're pressed on every side." But listen, you can rejoice because there's something that's being squeezed out of you that gives you the ability to receive all that your salvation provides for you right now. You know, the Bible talks about a woman, and we're not going to read the story, but the Bible talks about a woman who found herself in a really tight situation. The Bible says that this woman had an issue of a flow of blood. In other words, she had a a, a physical... uh, uh, situation, a a physical calamity, so to speak, that was plaguing her body, and so it says that she spent 12 years of her life, and she took all her resources, and she poured it all into trying to find a solution, and she was none the better. And so, according to those days, when a woman found herself in that situation where there was a continual flow of blood, by Levitical law, by Jewish law, religious law, she had to refrain from contact with people and if she was going to she had to publicly declare before all unclean unclean in other words you don't want to be around me i'm dirty i'm not i'm not you, you you can't i can't touch you don't touch me you'll be you'll be uh, 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 defiled this woman dealt with that for 12 years can you imagine what that must have been like to walk in to a neighborhood McDonald's and go, unclean, And everybody goes, I'm out of here. Don't touch her. Think about that. But this was her life. This, was, it, this is what it was deduced to. And the Bible says that one day she hears that Jesus is walking by. And as he's walking by, the scriptures reveal that he's pressed by the crowds. Everybody's pressing into him. And this woman takes a chance. She says... If I could just touch the hem of his garment, I'd be made well. My life will change. And watch what she does. She goes into the midst of the crowd. And she begins to push through the crowd. And she begins to find. Away. And while she's doing this, watch what's happening. There's people all around her and they're pressing all on her, right? And and so she's all up in the crowd. And as she's in there, the Bible says that she keeps telling herself, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, man, I'll be made well. I'll be made whole. Listen, listen closely. You can't miss this point. You can't miss this point. There is hope at work in you right now. But when it is challenged, you have to press through because when you press through, believing what God says, believing that you can make it, believing that you're not done, believing something better, the best comes out of you and a new path is paved for you. The Bible says that this woman touches the hem of his garment and Jesus says, who touched me? And the disciples look at him like he's crazy and they say, what are you talking about who touched you? You got all these crowds around you. And he says, no, 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 no. There was something different. I felt power leave me. The power that we need for life is found in the hope that God offers. Listen, you don't have to have it all together. She didn't. The call to to a relationship with God and to the change that God offers is not one that requires for us to be squeezed out of ourselves. Everything that that, that we struggle with, listen, it's an invitation to allow God to begin to show you the hope that's yours and when you're squeezed... Instead of of releasing your anxieties, releasing your fears, releasing your doubts, what you begin to do is you begin to press in to what God has declared, and that begins to come out, and you begin to see life differently. You begin to see opportunity where there was none. You begin to believe where you once doubted. You begin to hope where you once felt hopeless. You begin to take a hand of help from God where you once felt helpless. Hope changed everything in her life. But watch this. The change began as she pressed through. (laughs) Hebrews 10.23 says this. It says, let us hold fast our confession. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful, is faithful. Listen closely. Hold on. Hold on. I was sharing with First Service, uh, we we had a a surprise visit from uh, my my wife's grandmother. Um, Man, talk about tenacious lady, man. That woman is determined. She said, I'm leaving Florida and I'm going to meet my fifth generation, our grandson. You do the math on that one. She's up there in age. She comes down. She got on a bus by herself. Ended up in Chinatown. Some family picked her up. We didn't even know she was here. we like, she's here. It was like, she wants to see the baby. We're like, all right, we're going to get her. And she stayed with us the whole week. Right? That was, uh, listen, oh, me. Not amen, oh, me. <laughs> No, 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 it was, it was all good. But i tell you, I, I don't know why she, I'll tell you why she came to mind. Um, so on the last day when we took her back down to the city, to, to her son's house, we get down there and, and you know, I, I have a big pickup. And so the back of my pickup, she could stand up and walk and all that, like she wasn't squeezed in. So we, we get, so we wanted her to go down comfortable. So I'm, I'm telling her, we, you know, I open the door and she's about to come out and I say, come on, come on, grandma, I got you. And she goes, No, I'm gonna fall, I'm gonna fall. I'm like, You're not gonna fall, I'm right here. Hold on. I, I'm, you're not gonna fall. Do you know? <laughs> right? She's stepping to go onto the side, to, to the side rail, right? And she's like, I'm gonna fall, I'm gonna fall. She's holding on to the handle inside the truck. And I'm like, Grandma, let go, I got you. She's like, I said, You want me to pick you up? She goes, You're gonna drop me. I said, I'm not gonna drop you. So I grab her, right? Now I'm hugging her, right? And I'm, I'm trying to. You know, bring her down, and she will not let go of the truck. She's like, I'm not letting go. And my wife is trying to pry her fingers. And let me tell you, I don't know where that strength came from. Now, I'll tell you where that strength came from. Probably not the best example, but let me tell you something. When you believe something, when you believe something, you will not let it go. Now, this is probably not the best example of hope because she, she was hoping in the wrong thing. She didn't have <laughs> confidence in these, right? <laughs> but my point is simply this. Look, the Bible says hold fast to the confession of your hope. In other words, hold fast to the confident expectation that you have in God. Let me tell you why. For he who promised is faithful. He's faithful. You don't have to worry about your future when you're confident in the God who's present in your life today. You don't have to worry about your children. You don't have to worry about how you're going to make it. I'm not saying you don't have to plan. Right? I'm not saying that you, you just pie in the sky. No, 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 no. That's, that's not faith. Listen, faith involves wisdom and understanding. But what I am saying is this, that you can trust that God is who he says he is. Now, I know for some of us, there's somebody who says, I got you, and you go, yeah, all right. Sure you do. But when God says, I got you, it's a whole different ballgame. You can trust him. He's faithful. My last point here is we close is simply this. Lasting hope can only come from God. Let me tell you what I mean by lasting hope. The truth is that every one of us here has hopes. We have hopes for good outcomes. We have hopes for promotion in life. We have hopes for our children. We have hopes for progress. We have hopes for breakthrough. We have hopes for restoration in areas of loss. We have hopes To overcome, we have hopes that someday there'll be a brighter day. (coughs) Excuse me. But none of these, none of these things are hope in its truest form. Let me tell you why I say that. The Bible says that when Mary receives this message from the angel of the Lord, and he says to her, you're going to give birth to the Savior of the world. You're going to be the mother of this child. Bible says in Luke 138, and we'll dig further into this next week, but Luke 138, it says that Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Watch this. May it be done to me according to your word. Now get this. Mary goes from a state of hopelessness and helplessness to a place of belief and hope. But here's something interesting that we can easily overlook she was still facing the same situation. She still had to answer questions that would come from her parents. She would still have to confront the ridicule of people. She would still have to explain herself to someone. But in the midst of all this, while this was her reality, Mary now had something greater. There was a shift In her life. If you study the scriptures for yourself, you'll see that Mary was afraid. She was troubled. She was perplexed. She was anxious. She was weighed down. She's alone. And in the midst of this, she receives a word from God a word directly from God. Mary had a word from God that provided her hope for the present circumstances and gave her a guarantee that she could face them and that she would overcome them. I leave you with this final scripture. Job 19, verse 25, are the words recorded of a man named Job. By the way, it's not Job. It's Job. This guy Job you ever take the time to take an interest, he lost a lot. And it wasn't at the hands of God. It wasn't God who took it from him. If you study it, what you see is that Job 3.25 says that Job had a fear. There was an opportunity of entrance into his life where he began to doubt God. And the enemy said, Satan said, oh, there's my entry. He opened that door. So get this. He loses everything and he's surrounded by these friends of his who for the first seven days sit with him in complete silence. They don't say a word. But then they began to kind of debate and talk about this whole deal. And in the midst of all this conversation and, and, and loss, Job says this in ni- uh, uh, chapter 19, verse 29. He says, I know that my Redeemer lives. Watch this. And that in the end, he will stand on the earth. He will stand. Listen, Job faced various circumstances circumstances that challenged his faith in God. And the hope that he held to. But in the end, Job was able to endure and eventually to see better days. Because he trusted that despite it all, God still remained standing. Even when you're down, God is still standing, giving you a hand up. I want to encourage you with something. Look, man, whether you believe in God or not, you got to believe this. We all need the power of hope in our lives. And I believe that each and every one of us has had our own experience with hope, quote, unquote. But if hope hasn't changed today, I want you to consider this, that it's not the hope of God. And if you've been putting your hope in God, but nothing's been changing, look, there's no condemnation, there's no fault, there's no ascribing of of guilt or shame or anything like that. But could it be that while you're looking to God with hope, you're also looking to things in fear? It's like oil and water. You can't mix them. Would you put your hope in God and God alone? Would you put your hope in the fact that he holds you in the palm of his hand and he loves you and his plans are better than ours? Would you trust him? Let's stand here today. Father, we come to you today in the precious and mighty name of Jesus. I want to do something a little bit different here as we're closing out. I want you to just take a moment in silence. You can close your eyes here if you want to. You don't have to. Nobody's going to pick your pocket here. Don't worry about it. But I want you to just think about your experience with hope. And if you've had letdowns, if it's led to misgivings, if it's led you to try and fight for life on your own, you're scrapping and scraping and struggling and grinding, and you're still none the better. Today, hear God's heart and his voice. Put your hope and trust in me. Let me lead you. Let me guide you. Let me help you. Let me show you a better way. I believe that right here, right now, each and every one of us has had a personal encounter with God. I believe that God is speaking to you and he's saying you can dream again. But you can go beyond just a distant dream. You can live an abundant life now because my hope changes everything for you. Hey, if... If that's where you are right now, if you're sensing that, just talk to God. You don't even have to say a word. Just talk to him right there in your heart. Say, God, I recognize your hope and I need you. I want what you've got for me. Help me. Show me the way. Help me see what I've been missing and recognize that there's hope right now. It's possible that there's someone here today, maybe you just have never thought about God. Maybe you gave up our God at one time in your life, but here you are right now, and what you realize is there's something more for me. If that's where you are, I want to invite you to join us in this simple prayer. It's a prayer of faith. It's a prayer of commitment, but it's also a prayer that gives us great hope because it puts hope and trust in what God did for you and I and not in what we could do for ourselves. It's acknowledging that God loved the entire world including you and me, so much that he gave his one and only son to die and pay the price for sin so that you and I wouldn't have to pay it. And in paying that and you and I accepting that, here's what it does. It frees us to live with hope. It frees us from feelings of shame and guilt. It frees us from believing that we're not good enough. It frees us from addictions, it frees us from the chains that bind us, that somehow convince us that we can't and that God doesn't see us. Pray this prayer with us today. If you believe that, say, Jesus, I believe. You are the Son of God. I believe you died and you rose again. I believe you paid the price for me because you love me and because you have hope for me. Today I declare you my Lord and Savior. I accept you as my God. And from this day forward, I'm living with hope. I'm trusting in you. And I know that there's a better way. Come on now, if somebody prayed that, we celebrate what God has done in your life. Hey, I want to encourage you. If you prayed that for the very first time, don't leave here without stopping by our desk. We want to know who you are. We want to walk with you along this journey. Now, Father, we thank you for hope that is in Christ. Hope that changed everything. Hope that impacts today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you again next Sunday. Thank you again for checking out our weekly sermon podcast. If this message spoke to you, don't forget to let us know by tagging us on your social media stories at ctbny or sharing with a friend. We can't wait to see you again next week. Thank you for tuning in.